Getting split Getting ready. split Getting ready. split ready. Getting split ready. For my wife, God rest her soul. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. She's not dead. <laughs> We're just divorced. Unscripted and honest discussions on divorce and separation. Getting split ready. What was I supposed to tell him? I divorced you from the show? Here's your hosts, Doug Katz and Mariah Pleasant. Welcome to Getting Split Ready with Douglas Katz and Mariah Carey Pleasant. With us tonight, we've got Amy Schillinger, Clinical Director and President Owner at Balanced Stress Management Therapy, a trained EMDR for trauma and also a mindfulness teacher who believes that health is a three-pronged process, including mental, physical, and spiritual. Also with us is Jessica Malmquist, partner and owner of Greenwich Law Group. Practices include family law, child support, collaborative law, divorce, estate planning, guardian ad litem, mediation, and parental responsibilities and parenting time. And then Pamela Rack, uh, LSCW and PC, general mental behavioral health counseling practice uh, for adults is what she's got with divorce coaching, collaborative divorce coaching, co-parenting education, and the bonus guest tonight, Matt Wilhelmy, author of Taboo Business Questions, owner of Strategic Voyage, business consultants, divorce dad of two, and a podcaster. And our next subject is going through a divorce on social media. Which, um, which actually is kind of cool because when we were talking about using things against people, man, yeah. social media, big weapon. I went to the back to school night uh, for the junior high recently and the social workers that were there were talking about how that's the bulk of their day and the bulk of their issues is dealing with social media and you know, preteens, I can't imagine that it gets any easier when you're going through a divorce, um, how to handle social media and what to do. Yeah, I think that what social media has done to people in general, where if, if it's preteens or adults going through a divorce, is that um, whatever is posted just can follow you. You can't, you can't leave it, right? Before we had, um, especially I work with adolescents too, you know, adolescents and bullying and social media is a huge, huge problem right now. There are many adolescents, unfortunately, that are um, committing suicide because of social media. And so I think that um, really teaching people boundaries of social media is super duper important. Um, you know, what you should and shouldn't post. Um, obviously, there are there's a great difference in what people are comfortable um, in their private lives, um, and just educating you know people that we work with or friends or family or clients like you know it's it's going to follow you. So even if you are in the in the midst of um, a divorce, you you should really be careful what you what you put out there into the world. I had a acquaintance post something a few years ago, and it was. Um, I forget the name, but, you know, Bob and I are getting divorced. I'm fine. He's fine. We're fine. And we'll talk about it when we're ready. I was like, well, that sums it up pretty That's quick. Awesome. That's good. That lets you, everyone right. know and puts some boundaries out of it. And that was one way to handle it other than just, I think you change your status or whatnot. And then everyone has a million questions and that can often be yeah. used for dramatics as well. I think from a, from a legal perspective, yeah. do you give your clients guidance because I would think if they do one thing or the other, it could hurt if it goes to litigation, depending on what they post. It is probably something I should do with absolutely everyone. It you is monitor, do you get on their accounts so you can monitor right. it? No, no. Um, it is probably something I should tell every client, and I will ultimately tell every client, but I don't think either, I don't think I tell them soon enough, and I don't think most attorneys tell them soon enough. Um, they also come to us usually 
having already posted quite a bit. Mm. And they come with their posting habits. Um, and as Amy was saying, people have different, um, you know, sort of comfort levels. And you might have one spouse who overshares absolutely everything and involves the children. And you might have one spouse that doesn't even have a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And um, as Amy was saying, it is out there and it is forever. And, you know, the biggest bulk of any child-related litigation will involve a lot of paper when it comes to text messages and mm -hmm. social media of all sorts. And um, it, it is just, just, just be quiet. Well, sometimes <laughs> I, just, I just, see just like the opposite quiet. where you, 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 you can kind of backdate and figure out if someone got divorced, like when they were going through the divorce and you look at their social media and you would think that they were two week newlyweds. And I think there's some oh, yeah, the aspect opposite. of that where yeah. there's the overcompensation and then later you're like, oh, that's why that was that way. Yeah. So what do, what do you see from the ther therapy perspective? You know, there, there are a couple things that I require of people who work with me and they I, I tell them that up front and they sign a, a document that they agree to it. And one is that I, I ask them, and this is about the mindfulness piece that you mentioned, which is a great topic as well, is that to, to think about what is it that you want to be able to say about your behavior when this is done? Mm. What, what yeah. is it that, you know, what, what is your positive intention about when it is that, you know, that proverbial hospice talks a lot about when you're on your deathbed, what is it you want to say about your life? I pose the question to them and I challenge them with, when it is that you fit, finalize your divorce, what is it that you want to be able to say about how you handled yourself, how it is that you protected your children in the process of exposing whatever it is that are your grievances or gripes or challenges or wounds that occurred along the course of your relationship? And the other piece, I so I, I ask them to truly stay off of social media. The other piece is I and um, was trained specifically in developmental immaturity. It, the the code word for that is codependence, which nobody likes to say anymore because nobody likes to be called that, um, <laughs> even though we all are <laughs> to some degree. So when we look at developmental maturity and immaturity, the acting out of that emotional angst or retaliation or wound is really about how old are you in that moment when you're doing that? So at my age, my age is I, I am responsible for staying as old as I am all day long my level of maturity that ought to match my chronology. What people on social media don't understand is that they're really acting out like an adolescent. Mm -hmm. They're not their true maturational age when they're doing stuff like that. So, so between the what is it that you want to say about yourself at the end of this, because there is that timeline of behavior, and then what is it that you, what developmentally can you do to grow yourself back up? What is it that the EMDR piece can offer? What is it that the codependence work, the, the, um, the pieces of you becoming more out of this experience than becoming so compromised? I, can I ask a question? Go ahead. My question, if it was used, if it was weaponized, and I mean, if, if someone was going to physically harm you, the courts could do something. If somebody was using social media to 
threaten, to bully, to um, affect someone's reputation? Can the court force somebody to not be able to use it if they're the the one who is doing the bad stuff? Absolutely. Um, Someone can be enjoined from posting. Someone can be enjoined from contacting people. Someone can be enjoined from, you know, reaching out via text. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it can happen. Unfortunately, it does. It has the bad act has to happen um, absent an agreement to make it uh, so that a court will will allow an injunction. You do have to go into court and it it does have to be bad enough. Uh, You can get an agreed order Um, if someone breaks the injunction. you know, depending on where you are, what it is, what's going to happen. Um, you know, you, you never want, you never want the client who's doing that. And you never want the client who's having that happen to them because there's just so very little you can do. And it does live it's like being a parent. on. I mean, right now as a parent, yeah. social media is God awful. It's horrible. It's, well, it's, and you, you know, know what? You're, we're talking about two things too. We're talking about the overt, which is those intentional, damaging, disparaging remarks and inferences and assumptions and, and uh, behaviors that are described. And then there's the covert, which is, the person, one person has moved on and the other, the spouse uh, has not quite caught up to we're getting a divorce. And so the other person is sharing their life. And while that is not intentionally malicious, it really is in poor taste. And those are selfish. the, yeah, it is. So those are the, the pieces where there's there's a bit of a dance that has to be done about where is the violence, the intent to harm that, might be manifest in those in those uh, uh, mediums. Well, I think social media is also even damaging dating relationships right mm-hmm. now, right? I mean, there's this thing called phishing that's going on, right? So let's say that you've broken up, you've been broken up for a long period of time, and then your ex starts liking your pictures again. And that just brings something up in someone, yeah. you know? You've, you've broken up with this person, you're, you're done, you're done. And it just kind of keeps this cycle going, this cycle of contact. And um, it's really messing up everybody's dating life, too. Yeah. It, it, it is. I, I, I don't, I, I, as I said, I don't do what you do and say stay off social media. I probably should. They wouldn't follow my direction anyways. I put my pe- mommy face on and, and that, right. that takes pretty much care well, but of it. <laughs> people have a life, right? You know, yeah. I, I have a lot of work colleagues on Facebook. Mm. I, you know, have uh, parent groups on Facebook. I, I, I can't really get off Facebook mm-hmm, yeah. um, as much as one may try. It's what I do end up telling clients when things do get a little rough, I would say, is imagine your children reading this 10 years from now. Mm. How are you going to look to your children when your children read this 10 years from now and you are trying to teach them to be X kind of adult and you were sitting there being nothing less than Z. So, you know, think, think about that. And if not hurting their ex-spouse or their ex-partner doesn't really affect them, sometimes bringing children in sort of um, strategically can Yes, yes. Sort of backhanded, but, yeah. it, but it can work. And in those cases where the, 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 the fishing, for example, has occurred, those body experiences, that mm-hmm. body memory that comes up, that triggers and then creates all kinds of damage physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, those are also cases where the, the co-parenting isn't really going to work, and we really have to pivot 
to a parallel parenting, which is much more rigid, much more, uh, the, the uh, checks and balances are much greater. So in forward thinking, is this something, Jessica, that you've been incorporating into agreements like social media usage? Is that something that maybe we should as mediators and lawyers be thinking that we should address during the process to get out ahead of it maybe? So Would it work? <laughs> conceptually, the idealistic little yeah. bit part of me of left that's still idealistic would say, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but there's enforcement mechanisms, right? Right. So if you have, you are not divorcing a different person than the person you married, mm -hmm. and you are not going to have a different person 10 years from now. So if you married someone who acts, um, like as Pam was saying, an immature 14-year-old during the marriage, during the divorce, you are not going to change their behavior. So um, it, as an attorney, I really like to not set up false expectations. And sometimes people feel if it's written down, if they agreed to it, mm -hmm. I can do something about this. Yeah. I, I, maybe really you probably can't. Mm -hmm. And if you did, it would cost a lot of money. And then I would say to you, you should probably go back to therapy to learn how to deal with this person. Yeah. if you ever left because they're not changing it would be interesting to see an addition of responsible social media usage in divorce as part of the co-parenting class just put something out there and we can we invent make, that we can make we'll that well we, they have to go through it anyway well you can't do with photos right so yeah. with photos, something with yeah. children you know, photos no children photos but that's easy right see, because i got you a question about them. photos like what from therapy perspective yeah. I'll get on Facebook, hey, 10 years ago, there's a picture like my kid and it's cool because he's young and I look at it and there's a memory. If you were married for the, uh, for 15 years, you know, however long Facebook is around, I'm sure people aren't really worried about like things they put on MySpace at this point. <laughs> but if you've got your Facebook, if you don't delete the old pictures and go through and get rid of that, then boom, you're over something and I guess it could be a trigger. I guess it could Absolutely. be like something. I think it's not so did she go back and like, get rid of all that should you get rid of that profile and start a new one like what do you think from a therapy perspective i just think it's not allowing people to have closure especially that like time hop thing that's happening mm. right like oh this thing happened eight years ago right. and then it pops up and then you have a mm -hmm. you have a bodily I would guess if, like wedding pictures popped up that would be it. really bad right when you're getting over a divorce i think there should be a cleansing process just like everything else you clean your house you clean your stuff out you Maybe go through your Facebook, clean out your social media. People used to have yeah, bonfires, yeah. right, of all their right. ex's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a Facebook plug-in. It's got to be split ready, pass the razor. Yeah. We'll come up with something <laughs> like that. Well, we were joking that the box should come with a, a thing of wood. An yes. animal yeah. flame. Or yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. Kindling. Awesome segment. Um, again, great advice. Again, you're listening to Split Ready or Getting Split Ready, sponsored by Divorce Mortgage Pro. Financing a home. During a divorce can be challenging. Mistakes can cost money, and in the worst cases, they can even kill a deal. This is why you need a Divorce Mortgage Pro on your side. Divorce Mortgage Pros have the experience and training to help navigate the challenges of divorce mortgage lending and to ensure that you keep a roof over your head. Divorce Mortgage Pro is a member of the Split Ready Divorce Pro Network, the premier place to find professionals for your Split Ready team. Check out Divorce Mortgage Pro and the other divorce pros at splitready.com. Click the Build Your Team tab where you can see all the different Split Ready pros. And if you are thinking about divorce, please visit splitready.com and take our free assessment. You can come through your divorce with your finances, your integrity, and your sanity intact. Be informed, ask questions, and be split ready.